if you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? I, I think I, I would want to add some routines to my life. That, that's something that uh, I feel like I'm missing. I, I feel like my personal life, especially during the weekdays, is uh, rather chaotic. So like just adding purely a, a bit more uh, exercise, morning exercises and you know, like having a uh, evening tea uh, routine sounds uh, pretty nice. On the other hand, I, I would personally, like if I could, I, I would want to automate all my admin stuff to some kind of a bot or robot that would take care of it. Like all, all these kind of a, uh, email stuff and so on. I'm, I'm very bad at that. Yeah, good answer. So you would eliminate answering to emails, for example. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's a good attitude to kind of uh, start adding something positive. I think that makes like a positive uh, effect. That's that's uh, at least uh, I've learned that it's uh, like being rather busy person. It's, it's routines are the way to really uh, get something uh, like like I, I don't know. I, I'm very uh, spend a lot of time on focusing on work things and forgot many many things that I should be doing. So it's just purely being able to get things more. Uh, a routine would, would definitely help. I, I recommend thinking that kind of a wise words from my end. Welcome to season two of Altier Stories. My name is Alexi and I'm here with my co-host Hilla. You will hear more stories from setbacks to victories and everything in between. This season our guests include both Altier's alumni as well as other inspiring people who share an entrepreneurial mindset. I think we could start with an introduction. So could you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Alexi. I'm living in San Francisco at the moment. Um, second year or end of my second year here, uh, working at Nimble Robotics. It's a um, warehouse robotics company. We are building a next generation robotic solutions to these warehouses, e-commerce shipping and so on. And I'm, I'm doing software and uh, general, general robotics there. Uh, I did studies at Aalto University, uh, my master and, uh, in machine learning and bachelor uh, industrial engineering and management. And uh, uh, 2019, no, 2016, I was a president of Altiers and uh, yeah, spent 20, uh, roughly 2015, from 2015 summer to uh, end of 2017. I spent most of my time uh, at Start Sun. So that's that's sort of uh, captures most of uh, yeah, five years of my life. And yeah, uh, quickly like Nimble Robotics. Uh, yeah, uh, we raised 
a round early this year, 50 million uh, US dollars. And uh, so far we've been rather successful. I, I was uh, one of the first employees there. I joined 2019 summer after my graduation and I guess fifth employee, fifth, roughly fifth employee in the company. And now I'm uh, a leading software position in the company and company's growing. And All right. Well, you have done a, a lot and uh, nowadays living in San Francisco, that's quite uh, fascinating. Uh, but we could start with uh, a, a bit about Alt-ES. So how, do you, how did you get involved in Alt-ES in the first place? I think I, I already heard about uh, Alt-ES even in high school. Or, but like in freshman year, Alto, I, it, like, it, it just um, sounded very fascinating place to sauna in general. Uh, there, uh, it was a, like the first uh, big boom of slush era, all, all these Mickey, Kusi and uh, rest of the group, they were shining in all these newspapers and so on. And, uh, I was also very into into uh, like reading all these kind of uh, success stories of a uh, technology companies, uh, Apple and so on. And I was aware of uh, Silicon Valley, San Francisco stuff uh, here early early on, and I was I definitely wanted to get more involved in AutoES. Uh, but yeah, it, it took me, I think. End of, end of my second year uh, at Alto, uh, I was rather busy studying and uh, I, I, I didn't land any summer job. So I was like, damn, I need to figure out something to my life. I, I, I cannot, uh, I, this, is, this is a very bad situation. And then uh, I, I think I, I saw some kind of a Alto's breakfast Facebook post and went there. I, I didn't know anyone uh, anyone there back then. And it was actually a, rather uncomfortable to join. It was really this kind of way. I mean, to knock down the uh, startup sign the door and enter. And uh, people were, uh, I think people were way more older. Uh, but then, uh, back then, I, I thought that people were way more older than me and so successful and so on that I wasn't like, damn, can I, can I, is this really a place where I can join? But uh, eventually I found, found my spot in the Junction project and uh, I got very excited of, uh, of that 2015. What are the biggest learnings that you got during your time in Altaïs? I tried to think about this a couple of days ago and I, I realized that it's been five years and I don't remember anymore all, all this, uh, my biggest learning, but I, I'm, my uh, time in Alto ES was for uh, so far the biggest thing in my life. I found plenty of uh, good friends from there and 
uh, a love of my life as well, uh, my fiance. And yeah, I learned, learned a lot as well. Uh, when I joined the junction team, it sounded so absurd. Uh, like we were planning to uh, organize the Europe's largest hackathon, 500 uh, hackers from all around Europe. And it was so, I couldn't really understand, or is this really something that we are organizing, or this is just uh, the former president, Julius, talking nonsense. And it was so like big kind of a dreams and all these kind of a phrases, go big or go home, uh, that I, I, I think just barely getting involved in that kind of a community where, uh, First of all, no one has really any kind of experience on doing uh, event production, uh, doing any kind of a hackathons or understanding anything related to a bunch of kids pretty much. And uh, like purely this kind of, all, all these kind of a startup ecosystem phrases, go big or go home, like all, all this, I think just during the years of RTS, I was able to understand that, yeah, this may uh, make sense. I, uh, we did go big or go home for Junction Project 2015 and 2016. It's, it was something that uh, I wasn't fully sure are we going to do it, but uh, no one else has done it. And I mean, just dream big and go home is a good concept to, uh, move forward in your life. Uh, and okay, that, that's sort of like this kind of, kind of a cultural thing as a learning, I think very, very big thing what you can get out of LTS. And then 2016 as a president, that's, that was very challenging year uh, in a sense of, I, I didn't have any kind of a experience of leading people. I think I was uh, elected to that position purely as a being most excited of, of uh, all the LTS and junction stuff. So uh, I, I didn't have uh, among the board, I didn't have any kind of a skill set. Uh, around me, people were way uh, more uh, ex uh, talented and had had the experience on leading uh, people and so on. But most of the year, I, I felt very uncomfortable leading people. And uh, I, I think end of the year, uh, eventually, I from all these struggles and so on. I, I, I think just purely my final uh, learning from, from that journey was that, okay, maybe it's better to, uh, whenever you're in a leading position, you better still need to be yourself and not trying to be anyone uh, else in that, in that kind of a role. That people, especially with that kind of organization where people elected to you, that position there was clearly some kind of a idea who alexi is so maybe i should just focus on being alexi and improve skills that i already have and then let other people do all the uh, things that i'm i'm not really good at but also like just purely doing uncomfortable things during the year just uh, i think made me rather uh, strong uh, individual i am but nowadays if there is some kind of a, a random thing that i need to take into uh, take ownership in the my current company i'm like okay let's do it it's not something that all my colleague 
colleagues have that kind of a background that they can really be crazy about not knowing uh, what to do when they own take ownership of things. Interesting answer. What do you think is the most memorable moment in Altius for you? I, as I mentioned, like all, 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 all the uh, friends that I, that's that's one fun thing. But uh, I, I think uh, San Francisco trip 2016 was for sure a big thing. And also purely meeting uh, all these big stars, uh, startup entrepreneurs and so on, like just purely having a small chat with them is uh, those all those were super exciting uh, but yeah San Francisco trip was for uh, for sure a uh, super fun a lot of learnings and at the same time a lot of parties also we had a we co-hosted junction in Tokyo 2016 spring and yeah I mean it, it was pretty crazy to go there and I so different culture and we tried to get everything together in a week or two i i needed to prep up a team to have a some kind of a presentation skills for hosting the event and so on Which, like in tokyo i, I definitely recommend as a place to uh, visit uh yeah you've mentioned a bit about uh growing junction so was it a clear plan to spin junction out of alto yes or how did you end up doing that i i think it was rather natural after after 2015 or it, it wasn't very natural us to put a lot of effort to it uh early 2016 like it was a something uh, this kind of a big thing happening out of yes uh, we were like sort of the first generation after the slush group and we were sort of having this kind of a mental model that okay we need to show uh, this existing startup ecosystem that we can be uh, even better than those guys so there there was this kind of internal competition so that sort of boosted us to like put more effort to make it like i think 2016 was roughly 2000 participants i may be wrong but yeah i i mean it, it's it's sort of uh, as that kind of attitude we had that we want to double the size or triple the size it was kind of a very natural also to start thinking of how is this going to be as this thing becomes larger and larger it needs its uh, own organization it has uh big budget and it's a definitely a risk for uh, Alto ES to own as Alto ES itself should be more of a entity to first of all uh, keep doing what they've been uh, been doing every every year come up new ideas and also just barely be alive you know, like taking that kind of a huge financial risk to put a lot of money to or event production is not really a sustainable. It's good to have a separate organization for it. So and also like it, it had a lot of build, building this kind of a junction organization is also a thing that can make uh, increase the like lifespan of, of the like keep the, keep the team member uh, 
more like longer in the team or how, how to say that but yeah very very natural 2016 uh after 2016 we yeah created a uh, moved junction uh, under startup foundation and i think i was also board member in the company a few years afterwards okay there have been obviously quite big things uh during during 2016 with junction and uh, everything but uh after your year in uh, all two years in 2017 summer you ended up in china how did that happen yeah how, how did that happen uh, <laughs> i think there can be a multiple stories of it so after 2016 i moved uh, there was this hacker house in kusi sorry Kuusi Saari, Kuusi Saari, <laughs> bunch of LTS alumni who had a very big interest in machine learning, which was booming back then, like all these uh, new image net things and self-driving uh, cars were sort of uh, just like a lot of, lot of new research and uh, results and so on. So we, I, I ended up going to that uh, hacker house, moved there spent the uh, for, uh, spring getting uh, no other people there and uh, Kenneth who was the uh, co-founder of Junction 2015 lived there and at some point in the spring we, uh, the landlord said that this is enough you, you need to move away uh, it, it was super uh, nice house my mental model of that back then was that it was sort of uh, like social, what is the social Facebook movie? They had this nice uh, house in, in Palo Alto or somewhere. And yeah, that was sort of a same kind of a concept, but we were purely uh, nerds writing code there. But yeah, the uh, landlord, landlord uh, kicked us out from there and we didn't really have any, any kind of a uh, plans uh, for the summer. So then China, uh, or Asia in general was sort of, uh, let's go there. I had a couple thousand uh, student loans left and uh, I, China seemed to be rather cheap place to live for summer. So we moved there and uh, in Shenzhen region, South China, which is a sort of a, a central point of a, a hardware manufacturing in the world. Uh, so that kind of a like all this all our vision machine learning stuff plus some robotic stuff was sort of a motivation behind of uh, taking us to Shenzhen area. Uh, you've already mentioned robotics a few times. So when and how did you get interested in robotics? It was it was uh, after Altia's year, uh, as mentioned. Kenneth, uh, we sort of started studying master. No, I, I was doing still some uh, bachelor studies in, in the spring, but I, I picked most most of the courses from CS Computer Science and machine learning was big big thing back then, and it's still a very big thing. And then I, I think it, it was purely a uh, we had a lunch at some uh, campus restaurant uh, with Kenneth, and Kenneth said that okay. Uh, I think it's very good to invest all, all your uh, effort to uh, robotics. It's going to be a huge thing uh, next uh, 10 years or so, uh, as this all the, all the vision-based uh, learning 
things are now evolving. It was sort of a, and that was a conversation. I said, okay, let's do it. I, I didn't have any, any kind of a uh, background on robotics or machine learning, but I, I just know and Kenneth says something that it's a good thing to listen. And I, I, I was sort of trying to find something fun to study in auto. So that, that uh, brought me up to robotics. Okay. How about during that summer in China, was there something that you learned about robotics or machine learning or what were the biggest learnings from that trip? Yeah, I mean, most of our trip, we, uh, our focus was finding a very good Chinese or very good restaurants, different kitchens and enjoying the food and then just purely self-study all these cool learning papers, uh, machine learning papers and playing around with a robotic arm in a simulation. Uh, like that was pretty much what we were doing. And I also spent a couple of weeks in uh, Tsinghua University. There was this, I got invited or I uh, accepted to uh, deep learning, deep learning summer course at Tsinghua. And that was rather good course. I I learned plenty of things what they are doing there. And also uh, met a few startups through uh, Tsinghua University. They were doing rather interesting stuff, in, especially in facial recognition. So what is China like uh, regarding, for example, entrepreneurship? Is it very visible there or how do you uh, see that? Uh, I think Shenzhen especially is, it's very, um, very for, foreign friendly area. There are a lot of uh, foreign entrepreneurs and it's sort of the, they see themselves as a like Silicon Valley of China or something like that. And for sure, it's a technology heavy city. Uh, I, I think uh, especially young people in China are uh, as, as many other countries are uh, trying to find uh, who are who are into technology entrepreneurship is a big option all right so you st- then uh, did your studies in, in your, st- your masters in all the uh, about machine learning and and uh, robotics but uh, nowadays you work in in nimble nimble uh, as you mentioned in the beginning so how did you end up at nimble yeah, um, picked up random courses from robotics and control systems and machine learning. And I also work at a research lab. I, I released a paper, research paper related to learning in robotics and also did my master thesis there. During this master degree time, I, I had clear decision or idea that, okay, I, I want to next step after this, I, I want to find something fun to do in San Francisco and, or in the Bay area. And yeah, uh, it was roughly 2019 at the beginning of 2019, when I was writing my master's thesis and I thought that, okay, now it's a good time to start uh, applying for something fun to do in here. My expectation back then was, okay, it's Pretty easy. It should be pretty easy. I have a research paper paper coming and machine learning degree and 
all this uh, interesting stuff in uh, RTS and so on. That wasn't really uh, the case. Yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty, pretty difficult to find a job here. I, I made some shortcuts in, uh, in my uh, university uh, life that I didn't really focus on any summer trainee stuff or didn't ever uh, do any real work outside of the campus area. I just realized at, at the moment when I started applying that, yeah, people uh, in, in the Bay Area don't know anything about LTS. So all these kind of uh, cool things that we were doing back then was like purely uh, zero to them. They thought that it's, yeah, some kind of a student. Like, no, I mean, it's student organization, but all, all these learnings are, bit, I, I think it's a good invest, but investment. But, but yeah, I, I realized that, okay, I have zero chance to get any kind of a interesting job here, but I didn't give up and spent roughly five months just applying for different jobs and eventually I found uh, I, I at some point I uh, bought Crunchbase premium account to find all the uh, robotics companies in the Bay Area and I just started uh, sending email spams to these uh, all these companies and one of these companies was Nimble their website uh, was pretty scrappy back then. I think it's uh, pretty scrappy now, nowadays still, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I found an email address from their site. That email address didn't go through. That moment I thought that this is, yeah, one of these scam companies, zero employees and so on. And I, I was all, almost giving up, but then I found at the, at the end of the site, a, another email and sent to that one and the, uh, founder Simon answered to me and then yeah and then uh, at that moment I had already some level of experience of interviews I, I learned all these basic stuff so I was able to convince him to deal with the technical interviews and then uh, in the third interview I think it was third one I uh, it was kind of a more cultural thing and I, I think at, at the moment I had some level of a chance to get the job as the as nimble was pretty desperate of getting good engineers but uh as my background I, I didn't have really anything to show that i'm good engineer so there were still i think simon was pretty uh didn't really uh trust on <laughs> what I, I was talking via uh, zoom call so he ended up putting quite a lot of pressure on mine, like, uh, okay, why, why are you applying and all, all these things. And so that, that was at the end of the like five months interview session and to all other uh, companies, I got a negative answer. And at that moment I was getting pretty desperate. So I uh, decided that when he started asking these why questions, I said to him that, uh, if, if you don't have, uh, get me on board to the company. Uh, I'm uh, going to join to the your competitors uh, team and uh, solve uh, grasping, which is this kind of, this kind of a main uh, challenge in this uh, uh, industry, what we are doing. And pretty much saying that direct uh, straight to him <laughs> made him to uh, realize that, okay, this might be a uh, good fish to catch from uh, Finland and bring it to US. I hear this story all the time at the company nowadays that 
this crazy Finnish guy uh, just purely threaten Simon that if if you're not getting uh, giving him a contract, he's going to destroy the company. But yeah, then I the end of the story was yeah I, I moved here after yeah, end of July 2019. Long story. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any tips for someone who would like to? Uh, apply for a job in Silicon Valley, like based on your experience? First of all, it takes a lot of uh, stamina, time. Uh, and most of the other uh, potential uh, companies I, I found or got uh, more into the uh, hiring process was uh, through a mutual context. That's, that's for sure something that uh, you should uh, definitely use all these random contacts to you know, like second connections linkedin and so on they they really helped i i think moving here it's you you need to keep the barrier quite high i, I don't think it's a worth of your time to uh, find a just random startup here and uh, do regular software uh, engineering here it's a then it's better to just find a very top high high performing company in Finland, probably better connections even there. It's like, I mean, it's a lot of work. Purely, I think it's definitely possible. It's a, for sure, it's a, like in, uh, in Finland, the whole concept of uh, working and studying together. I, I didn't do that. Yeah, it probably just having a few uh, titles in your resume, helps i i think especially here because uh you if you're competing between uh like among other applicants are from uh top-notch uh, universities they usually don't have any uh work experience as they have needed to yeah perform in, the, in their school finland it's a bit more flexible so I, i think that's for sure something that i might have done different it's also good to study personally I'm uh, hardly against doing that, though, like doing work and study at the same time. I, I, I've just seen a lot of people who have given up university courses purely because they have been busy on some random schools uh, work stuff, which is, yeah, you get paid for it, but all the all the learnings usually are from the courses. All right. Good tips. Good tips. So you joined Nimble when it was like a really small team, just was it like five five people, and uh, now now it has grown a lot. And uh, you raised the Series A round this year. And by the way, congrats for that. But uh, how has the scaling of Nimble felt? Yeah. So the uh, I think the company size is now roughly it's soon fifty people hard to keep count nowadays I, i think it's a pretty good thing pre-seed era was a definitely a rough time it's very unexperienced team and uh, like all the all the c-level guys as well like zero experience from anything like everyone wanted to just get things figured out and like very unscalable business and like It's just a like a lot of challenges and just painful nights and mornings. Figure out random stuff. 
so now I say we are moving to a round era or this this year it's it's for sure uh, nice to start seeing a, a bit more experienced people joining and they they usually have a I mean it's very nice learning curve on my end to just purely work with a bit more experienced people who have already done this kind of a journey a few times and also purely just uh, finding light in a tunnel that yeah maybe we are really able to get this company to a uh, multi-billion company like it's, it's something that we are now like there's a we are hiring a very talented people here uh, we are getting recognition in a some business insider random newspapers and like it's super uh, interesting to see how how this kind of a company with zero experience can scale to a something big we are we are rather engineer heavy organization so we already have plenty of uh, expertise so we have been already quite expert organization which is which might not be the case for uh, many pre-c comp uh, companies they are most of the uh, people are journalists and when you are starting starting moving to a a round era or uh, scaling phase you, you becomes an expert expert organization so then that can cause some kind of a issues in the company that the early engineer early people are losing their ownership in the company i don't think that is going to be i'm hoping, hoping that i am able to grow uh, in the company as the company grows and of course for now so far it's been okay i'm it's it's uh, i think it's still kind of a phase that uh if you are willing to accept the challenge you are able to get a uh, bigger shoes and grow in the, in the company yeah you briefly already explained what nimble does but can you elaborate a bit more on the technology that you are currently working on or is there like multiple technologies or one core yeah um the function of warehouses say it uh, receives plenty of uh, items and then it has its own inventory and then there are uh, workers that uh, receives a order or received that tells that okay uh, x number of item a and y uh, number of item b needs to be uh, shipped to a customer x y yeah so that's that's pretty much what the warehouse is doing and of course it, it has uh, plenty of automation already all these kind of shops uh, few companies kiva systems uh, owned by amazon and all the stores they are really interesting companies or very exciting at least online <laughs> to like see how how, how their system work but they, they are mostly um, uh, dealing with the inventory but the main challenge or main component that requires still uh, human element there and very uh, manual uh, element is uh, picking items from a bin full of uh, category A items and moving, uh, picking them and placing it to a this shipment box. Uh, so that's that's kind of a 
like, the reason reason why there is a uh, it requires a uh, human is is that the, it's so it, it's a learning pro based problem it's too complicated for uh, building a logical system that can uh, a rule-based system it's super hard to uh, like there, it's impossible because it's a unstructured plenty of different variables that uh, depend on how to pick items from a team items uh, category surface color etc so it requires learning-based system which is now back to the machine learning uh, era uh, computer vision uh, that uh, all, all these things have evolved uh, past 10 years so uh, that kind of uh, now introduces a uh, kind of a approach that hey using a some learning based model we can teach a robot to do this kind of a picking task so that's that's the whole uh, big picture uh, of, of our what we are doing hopefully that uh, i don't know was that a good explanation did you get anything out of it yeah, so, sounds really interesting. And what has been your own responsibility in creating or developing this product that you're doing? So I, I've been most working on the software stack. I, as I joined quite early, I've been doing all, all, all kind of kinds of things from motion planning part, how, how to generate a motion for robot arm, how to command the robot arm kind of uh, stuff, uh, including also like control stuff, uh, then higher level state machine uh, components. So how to make sure that arm is picking and not uh, doing like how let your arm know that, okay, now it's time, good time to pick or let the uh, let the arm know that okay environment is stable etc and then like as company small uh, AWS stuff uh, like cloud cloud servers setting up th those kind of stuff uh, security and like all all, all kinds of random stuff but uh, I think my my most most of my responsibility has been in the motion planning side and playing with I, most most of my time I'm playing with the, with the robots yeah if we talk a little bit about robots or robotics in general what would an ideal future look like if you look at it like specifically from a robotics point of view mm -hmm. ideal world would look like all the all these kind of a boring uh, manual work uh, could have been automated and people can focus on all kinds of random creativity heavy uh, work what are we good at it's more uh, solving puzzles and being creative we should make uh, solve uh, do engineering stuff and these kind of things and let the robots doing uh, work that robot uh machine should do we should focus on uh, our mind yeah what is the surprising thing that robots are used for or could be used for or it could also be your favorite thing what they are used for 
at the moment it's it's still like we're at the beginning i think there is uh yeah you can see a, at the airport a robot arm doing coffee but it, it's a very dummy solution it, it's, it's still like it's very uh heavily constrained uh environment so it's something that yeah looks pretty cool but at the end it's maybe for uh, some random people yeah like now it's a robot invasion coming but like purely getting a robot to a kitchen cooking doing uh, uh, food for us is still uh, i think we are very far away from it it's it's something that requires so much this sort of a fine manipulate manipulation uh skills that uh, we are pretty good at but for robot arm this once again goes to this kind of a concept that all these kind of a learning based models or a system is, is is the future we, we are sort of moving towards on it we are heavily investing like i'm like engineers are working on the workshop but still we have we need to build a lot of software around it around the how the robot arm works uh, do certain thing at the moment when something happens uh, next to you let's say kitchen it's a uh, plenty of random uh, stuff can happen so you cannot really program it that's that's a very uh very interesting research problem or like uh, like people are doing a lot of research on it how to make a system that can be more adaptive to its random things happening in, in the environment so that's that's going to be like next 20 years 30 years it's it's not something that all of these kind of things can be solved in a five years it's it's still a lot of research required I, i'm hoping that all these kind of admin bots which, which are not like physical robots mostly some kind of a uh, natural language processing system that uh, can write emails uh, behalf of uh, myself or filling out forms i, I think that's a, something that i, I would uh, happy to see in, in within uh, rather soon i think that that part of a uh, research is going very uh, quickly forward at the moment all, all this uh stuff of open ai is re- releasing at the moment is pretty cool yeah i think uh ara isari who we interviewed in this podcast is uh, at flow right doing something related to that yeah yeah, yeah. i should contact him that sounds perfect thing to me yeah if you want to work in robotics is san francisco the place mm, if you are moving towards of a remote first era that that's something which is quite a, in the bay area you can see that like many many of these big companies are shutting up their offices here and so on that's kind of a general trend i i don't think that's going to be in a, a thing in robotics itself because it's a very hardware uh, heavy business you need to be next to the robot all the time test stuff and build and all, all the programs are physical so that that's a, sort of bringing this sort of a location uh I, i would say uh yeah maybe not in in the bay area maybe in california is rather a good spot to uh live uh reason behind of that is uh now spacex tesla and uh all all these uh, companies that have already been able to 
be successful and uh, all, all this self-driving stuff like they are they have already been able to be successful on hardware and uh, learning problems so they, they have the expertise it's it's a bit different but the same kind of a especially hardware there is the uh, experience already so that's like now we are hiring people from uh, those companies because they they know what to do but i i mean at the same time it's it requires uh only a few crazy people to build uh start a company so i, I don't think that it's it's like if you want to uh, build a robotics company in Finland, why not? Like it's not something that like some special uh, location in in the Bay Area requires. It requires a lot of work and talented people. Yeah, and of course we have have in Finland like gender robotic robotics or or companies like that. But is there, in your opinion, any anything that uh, Finland could do? so that we would be a more driving spot for robotics in the future at auto uh, or even in europe i think we we should have more this kind of a student driven competitions or research driven competition like example is now darpa chance it's a uh, us government funded research initiative that has been usually the like all these kind of a uh, self-driving car even for internet like this kind of a behind the scene organization that has been able to get all these researchers uh, all the people involved in the in the uh, research interested in. and like challenges in general are a very good way to uh, get hands dirty in a some kind of a bigger problem so uh, i mean purely extending hackathon to a year-long robot picking challenge or something like that there there have been a few like amazon has organized some uh, we were plan- planning to uh, join to that uh, competition uh, 2017 we, we got even robot arm to uh, start up sauna but the uh, amazon cancelled the event or competition maybe they realized that it's now time to just build it but uh, I mean, that, that's a very good way to get uh, people involved, competitions, and especially with students. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe Altaïs does one one day. I don't know. Yeah, let me know. I, I can help. Yeah. And I think we could start uh, wrapping up. But uh, before that, is there some resource like a book or a podcast or something else that you find really valuable for you? I personally like to read uh, rather inspirational books, especially when I'm uh, taking a few days off. It's just pushed me up. Uh, and one of books that I just read last Christmas was Dream Machine. Uh, I don't remember the author, but that was a story about uh, how the personal computers emerged. I need to double check on that. But yeah, that, that's that's pretty interesting because that that included uh, how that kind of a personal computer and internet, how that kind of a so complex system involved so many very talented people to get to get to the uh, pace of the app now, and also like purely seeing uh, realizing that things uh, like what we are now 
like all the virtual reality stuff or early 2000 or all these internet related pet uh, services, all, all these things. There was there were people uh, 30 years before that already dreaming of these kind of fake concepts. But of course, there wasn't technology for it, but they were so excited of it that they really wanted to make it possible. That, that was a good book. And then podcast, yeah, I like Friedman is, I, I like that. And then uh, Naval, he's more of a bigger person, but he, I think he has some podcasts as well. He's a pretty cool guy. All right. Good suggestions how to take a look into those. But thank you a lot for for coming to our podcast and uh, everything best for Nimble Nimble's uh, future and uh, your 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 time in San Francisco. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, thank you. It was a big pleasure. Hopefully, uh, I'm able to visit uh, Startup Sauna soon. I've been here now quite a long time. Maybe uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, you're welcome to visit here anytime. But thanks for joining and bye. Bye bye.